I am going to explain to you why Judaism exists and how it works in 15 minutes. <laughs> and we're going to use this sheet. Okay. Why Judaism exists. We Jews and our ancestors perceive that there is holiness in the world. Indeed, the world is a holy place. And we, through our actions, bring that holiness out. Make it real. Spread it to other people. And thereby, we redeem the world. That's the purpose of Judaism. Every moment is potentially a holy moment. Everything is potentially a holy thing. Every interaction is potentially a holy interaction. And the question is, how do we make that holiness something that is no longer potential, but is actually real? This week's Torah portion deals with that and the method by which our ancestors, the rabbis, decided that we would be able to be God's people and show everyone that the world is a holy place and we can live as though the world is a holy place, manifesting it in our lives. So this week's Torah portion, and if you look at the sheet now, begins with these words. Behold, I place before you this day the blessing and the curse. The blessing if you hearken to the mitzvot of the Lord your God, which I command to you this day. The curse if you do not hearken to the commandments of the Lord your God, and you turn aside from the way which I command you this day to go after other gods, which you have not known. It is within human nature. Indeed, it is the drive that all of us human beings have to make idols out of things that are not God. And so we have decided to serve with our lives those things that are not worthy of the dedication of such a holy purpose as the life of a human being. And so we set ahead of us goals. We want to achieve something in terms of an occupation. We want to achieve something in terms of having a nice home or a particular kind of status in life. And we make these things, and you all know this, it's nothing new. We make these things into objects that we serve. And yet sitting next to you is the image of God. Judaism says that the person sitting next to you very well may be Elijah coming to announce the coming of the Messiah. Now, what would it be like if we treated every human being as though the fulfillment of the world was contained in our relationship with that one human being? Deuteronomy continues. These are the laws, the chukim, and the rules, the mishpatim, that you must carefully observe in the land that the Lord your God of your fathers is giving you to possess as long as you live on earth. In other words, yes, that person next to you is a holy being, but we're not going to be able to get to that simply by ourselves. We need laws by which to live. We need rules by which to interact. Because we see, have this proclivity towards idolatry. We have this tendency in our lives
to take that which is sacred and to make it into the mundane, to treat it as though it's simply a tool for our own pleasure. The rabbis understood this. They understood that there were different kinds of laws. This evening, just a little while ago, you read on page 150 that God gives us laws and commandments. And no one stopped and raised their hand and said, Rabbi, why does it say laws and commandments? Aren't the commandments laws? But see, that's the very discrimination that we have here. It's the very discrimination which is in this Torah portion by which we Jews live. So the Babylonian Talmud, maybe 500 to 1,000 years after what's above, wrote this. How do we know these things, these things being what's above? These are the statutes. This refers to the rabbinic interpretations, midrashot. And the judgments, this refers to civil law, which you shall observe, to the study of Mishnah, to the study, in other words, of Jewish law. And to do means to actual practice. So I know that's not clear. Let's go on to this next line. These are the laws. It is clarified in Tractate Yoma in the Talmud that there are laws that even if they had not been written, it is the law that they would have been written. In other words, even if they had not been found in the Torah, we would obey these laws anywhere, anyway. And so here they are. The rabbis give us a very short list so that we know what it's talking about. And it's saying all human beings would have come to this conclusion without any scripture whatsoever. The prohibition against idolatry. The prohibition against sexual transgressions. The prohibition against shedding in innocent blood. The prohibition against theft. And the prohibition against cursing God's name. And it's saying here that there are natural laws by which we human beings live. Now guess what? We do, in fact, sometimes infringe those laws. If you read the newspapers, you know about each and every one of those happening someplace this week, right? There was a big one about sexual transgressions all week long in the trial. And so we know that we human beings, even though these are things which we can do that will keep us holy, have a natural tendency, nonetheless, to not observe them because we pursue our own pleasure. But then this goes on to say, and the rules, the chukim. So what are those rules? Have any of you ever wondered why we Jews do some strange things? Like why some people bind their left arm and their head in something called tefillin, in English phylacteries, a word which is only used with regard to one thing, tefillin. I don't know why we don't just call them to fill and then leave it at that. Why do we have to memorize two words? Phylacteries are to fill in. Okay. Why do we do that? How do we come up with this very strange thing? How did the Torah come up with these laws regarding Leverite marriage? In the Bible, do you all know this? If your brother dies, if you're a male, and your brother dies and he leaves no heir, what do you have to do? Marry his wife and have a child. But he is your deceased brother's heir, not yours. Anybody done that? 
Right. So the rabbis go on to say, look, there are certain laws that are only for us. Not to mix linen and wool in the same garment. Why don't we mix linen and wool? What does linen come from? What is linen made of? Flax. What is wool made of? Sheep. We don't mix animals and plants. We don't combine unlike things. That's how shotness came to be. We are not hybriders, we Jews. Okay? So there are rational laws and there are laws which are developed only for the Jewish people to do what? Be holy. Be holy. So my favorite Bible commentary is at the bottom. And we're going to conclude with this, but then I want to say a couple of things. Look at the very bottom. It is clear that the rational commandments are called mishpat. And the commandments that are higher than the rational are called chukim. And here the chukim are called midrash, rabbinic interpretations. That is, commandments that are not simple. Rather, they can be interpreted. And the mishpatim are the laws that is, it is possible to make judgments on them in court, according to their reason and their logic. And that which in the language of the Torah is called mishpat is called deen by the rabbis. Is it easy no. to create a holy world? No. Do we exploit the people who we claim to love? Yes, some of do we always respond to our friends the way we would hope we would respond? I visited with someone this week who has a, just found out about a very dangerous illness. And the person said to me, you know, I didn't realize how important it is for us to be able to respond to the people around us. And now I know I should have visited hospitals more. I should have taken care of the people around me more. I should have reached out to friends more in their need. But you know what? I was too busy and I was having too good a time. But now that this has happened to me, I realize. What did she realize? Truth about living a holy life. And see, all of that is available to all of us all the time. But what do we do? We serve our little idols. So why is it that I would talk about this? Because Elul starts in just a couple of days. And this is the month when we repent. Most people think we repent between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Not the case. For the next 30 days, you've got to ask yourself the question, how did I treat the people I hold most sacred in my life? Now why is that where we start? Because from those relationships, we can understand and we can bring holiness into the world. You can drive in a holy manner. You can do your job in a holy fashion. You can treat the people who, whose employee you are as if they are holy. And you can go to the grocery store and be holy, not only in the products that you choose, but to the person who is in the checkout line next to you and the person who is operating the machine who takes your money. Our tradition says you live in a holy world, but it's not always so apparent. For this next month, 
we are commanded to discover and to bring to reality that holiness is always available to us. Tradition says if we would all live like this all the time, the Messiah would come. And another part of tradition says if we would all live like this all the time, the Messiah wouldn't need to come. We begin now the season of holiness. It lasts for 40 days. At the end of it, let us be able to say, I know that I live in a world of the sacred, and it is that sacred that I have brought into my life, and by bringing it into my life, I have brought it into your life, and the life of all the people around me. Can you give us